Welcome to BIPAC News on the Jewish TV channel, where we work as a united bipartisan front to fight against the most serious issues facing the Jewish world. I'm your host, Jessica Imami, Senior Middle East Analyst, and this is BIPAC News. Now, you and I know in a post-October 7th world that the most serious issue facing the Jewish world is anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism has had its worst manifestation on United States college campuses, and Columbia University is no exception. To that end, we are going to interview Asaf Ayal, an IDF combat veteran and Columbia University School of Social Work alumnus. He is also, until recently, the field educator at the Columbia University School of Social Work field program, where students earn their most important work, field hours, credits to field hours, and the knowledge of how to become a caring social worker. He's also the accidental uh, founder of the viral Flip Your Diploma campaign, where anti-Semitic events on the college campus of Columbia University caused him on social media to hold his diploma upside down and resign publicly. This action went viral, and today Flip Your Diploma has spread to other college campuses and other types of staff members and students. Here in his own words to tell us his experience is Asaf Ayal. So I kind of gave a little uh, vignette of what went on, uh, but I want you right. to tell me in your own words, you know, that moment that happened that made you um, react to what was going on in Colombia. Okay, so um, <clears throat> this, um, it seems like it happened 10 years ago, but in fact, it was about four months ago. Um, yeah. This all ha this all happened uh, five days after October seventh. So I'm talking about everything was very new, everything was very fresh. The information was not out there at at you know at full extent. We we didn't really know what was the extent of of this whole um, of the massacre of everything that happened. Um, so I went to Colombia because I was. Um, invited to come to a, just like you said, a silent vigil to, um, uh, you know, stand there in solidarity and uh, mourn the, the lives that were lost that uh, that day. And I, I came to find a group of 500 of uh, uh, Jews and Israelis that were standing on the lawn in the uh, main campus in Colombia. And they were standing with flags and, and uh, pictures of those who uh, were murdered um, and also uh, pictures of those who were taken as hostages. Um, and they were standing there silently, uh, just holding the uh, flags and, and posters. And on the other side of the lawn, I saw a group assembling a group of about 500, what I thought back then were pro-Palestinian, but very quickly... I realized that those are not pro-Palestinian uh, protesters. Those are pro-Hamas protesters. And those are people who came to um, openly celebrate what happened on October 7th. Um, they were cheering and chanting, and they were having a good time. And um, the Colombia authorities, security, they were standing between the two groups, but... Um, I thought to myself, I have to go and get into the pro-Hamas group to see very closely what I was 
what I was seeing from afar. I had to see it and feel it for myself up close. So that's what I did. I went into the group. Um, I'm not afraid of any of them. I think they're um, basically most of them are just harmless, uh, ignorant, uh, lost young people. I went into the group and I witnessed it very, very up close. And um, it was one of the most disgusting things I ever saw in my life. Um, people were just came to celebrate. And I have to tell you again, that was before Israel even started uh, its military operation. And they were already chanting all the well-known chants today. Uh, they were already... They, it was funny to see because it, it seems like on October 7th, Israel invaded Gaza, took hostages and killed families, burnt them alive, and did all these atrocities. And then the Palestinians went out to protest against it. This is what it felt like. This is how upside down the world was uh, when I saw it. And obviously, and we all know it's, it's, it's the opposite. And um, when I went to the Columbia University security personnel and uh, officials that were standing there, I asked them, as you said, I asked them, hey, how are you, how are you allowing this type of hate speech in campus like that? What's going on? They told me this is uh, this does this is not uh, constituted as hate speech. This is free. This this is free speech. They can say whatever they want. We can't do anything about it. I asked them again. Are you sure about this? Uh, don't you realize something's not right here? Uh, I explained. I explained to them what what they were saying. Uh, the organizers did speak Arabic. That's maybe 1% of, of the people. The other 99% don't know a word of Arabic, don't know the river, don't know the sea, don't know Israel, don't know anything. Uh, but they spoke Arabic and I understood what they were saying for the most part, the chants, I mean. And it was saying? horrible. They were saying that Palestine should be Arab completely. That there's no place for Jews or Israelis, Jewish Israelis. Um so it was a and triumphal kind of uh, chant, you know. As as I felt it and saw it, and I have a lot of experience with reading uh, people as a social worker, and they were um, happy about their resistance victory. Wow. Yes. So after that, that happened, you realize like the administration um, is not going to do anything. By the way, that's an incorrect response you know, saying that hate speech is just permitted speech is totally incorrect from an administrative point of view. Yes. Um, what, how did you react? What happened after that? I mean, how did you process this whole event? So it was very difficult. Um, I left, I left before it ended because I felt like I, I, I can't stand there anymore because I was just Resigned. disgusted. Yeah. So I let, no, I mean, I left the premises. I went home. Mm -hmm. I thought about everything. I then um, had about a week to think everything over and um, I decided to finish my uh, collaboration with uh, this uh, institution. I had been uh, educating their students. Um, you know, the, the School of Social Work, it's the most important component in the School of Social Work program is field education, is where the... Um, future social workers go to the field and, and really 
Mm-hmm. So I work as social workers, and I was the one who, were, who was uh, instructing them as an experienced social worker in the field of homelessness. This is what I do here in New York. Mm-hmm. So uh, I decided to stop. Uh, I decided I cannot help this um, school anymore. I cannot invest my time, my effort, my expertise, my experience. Um, and I decided to leave, and I sent them an email of resignation, and their response was very... Uh, short um they thanked me for my many contributions to the school and that was about it and i left that is such a shame they lost a great person a great professional i'm so sorry it happened that that way yeah yeah me too and and as i understand it the problems at columbia continue there was stuff going on yesterday from what i heard um so this is touch with mm -hmm. anybody there yes I am in touch with a group of uh, Israeli and Jewish students in the School of Social Work. Obviously, I'm in touch with the School of Social Work only. I have mm-hmm. a good friend and an ally, a professor that is teaching there. She's Jewish. She feels very isolated, and uh, it's very hard for her. So does all the students. Um, I'm in touch with them. Um, it never ends there. It, it started on October I guess October 8th, but, you know, it started on October 12th when I was there and uh-huh. it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And so you people don't see are, any mm-hmm. improvement there from what you're hearing? No, I'm, no, I see, I see deterioration. It's, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Um, uh, the school is, is, has completely lost control. They're not uh-huh. stopping. Uh, There's some banned group groups that um, were banned by the university, uh, but they still do what they want to do um, on the grounds, outside the grounds. It's just, you know, the, the school lost control of, of uh, the school and the university lost control and people are just doing what they what, what they want to. Well, there's some horrible incidents in the school of social works uh, in the school of social work and other schools. And it's on, it's out of control. It's just out of control. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, I'm involved with some campus groups and I'm hearing more and more that uh, the pro-Hamas line and the decolonization line is permeating social work very specifically, very intentionally and very yes. expansively. I'm wondering why have they chosen social work for this? You know, it's a uh, it's interesting how they're going after all the social work schools and curriculum. That's right. That's right. Um, why uh, that to me, particular? It, yeah, to me, it makes uh, perfect sense. Um, maybe most people don't know, but uh, people who go to get their master's or bachelor's in social work. Um, first, you know, people who go to social work uh, want to, generally speaking, want to uh, make the world a better place, uh, mm-hmm. want to fight for social uh, justice and equality, and these are all very noble and and correct causes. This is why I did it myself. But um, when they come into those schools these days, and not only these days, but particularly these days, they are met with extreme indoctrination, with um, um, political agendas that meet them on day one. And those are young people who want to do good and want to change the world. And, and um, they just take those, you know, great groups of people that are open to the world and aware and want to do good. And they funnel this energy into something different, something that serves their causes. Now, when I say there, I mean professors, 
mm-hmm. that are funded by money that comes from that part of the world. Allegedly, that's what a lot of people think. Um, and uh, other monies that come into the universities and allow all of this uh, political um, ideology, um, rhetoric. Um, it's just, you know, you come at day one and they talk to you about oppressors versus oppressed and colonizers mm. versus um, uh, the colonized and the white people are the colonizers. And um, it's very simple. It's very black and white, while the world is much more complex than that. Uh-huh. And it's oversimplified. It's easy to feed those young people with these um, theories, and they eat them. They love them. It gives them purpose. They're lost. They want to belong to something bigger than them themselves. Um, social work as a profession is not lucrative enough. It's not big enough anymore. When most people today, all people today, all young people today, have a phone with TikTok, Instagram, you want to belong to some movement. And mm. this fits This fits so perfectly. And it's so and easy. Even, um, yes. And I think social work has such an expanse of contact with all different kinds of communities. That's right. So that's maybe, that's I right. I don't know. Maybe that's why they're... You're, you're completely right. Because, you know, uh, social workers, after they graduate, they can operate in many, many different um, areas in our um, society, from schools to hospitals to, to jails to, to big companies to, obviously, where I work, the shelter system. Um, they're everywhere. And if, if, these uh-huh. little, if these little pawns in this whole scheme carry this ideology into all these places, they hold mm-hmm. They hold and they intensify and they grow. And then the danger is bigger to, you know, the, the, those people are, the, those people, the, new, the new social workers, too. this is my biggest concern. The profession of social work is in danger today. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I say that, we need to understand that many, many, many people in need, people in, in you know, um, impoverished populations, um, poverty-stricken populations are going to be in danger because people coming out of those social work schools are going to be uh, treating them uh, out of a wrong lens. They're going to look at them and, and, and first look at their skin color, look at their um, uh, background. Whether look they're at their Jewish. Political. They're going to look at all of that. And imagine a social worker coming to work in a school and they have to give service to a third grade boy that is happens to be an Israeli American. Uh-huh. What will happen to that kid? That kid would not get the same treatment, the same service as others. Mm-hmm. This is imminent danger. And I'm pretty sure it's already happening. We have uh-huh. to stop this. And this is, this is danger to our whole society here. This is real danger. This is a real moment. And mm-hmm. we have to come up, we have to come against it and, and do whatever we can to stand um, against it and, and prevent this from happening to people in yeah. need everywhere, everywhere. So my understanding is that you you are Israeli and you've been about here about, you said, 10 years. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Did you experience any uh, discrimination or prejudice before this incident that you were, you know, that you were aware of or... 
because of being Israeli or any other reason? So um, I have to tell you, um, you know, it's it's going to be a secret between you and me. I hope nobody hears. Um, <laughs> I was, I came here 10 years ago. I was on, on this realm. I was asleep. I chose to sleep. Mm-hmm. I put myself in bed. I put the blanket over my head and I didn't hear or see anything. I was focused. You're not alone. I'm, I know. I know. But, you know, I still say, let's keep it a secret. But, um, uh, you know, um, I'm not proud of it, but I'm, I'm happy that I woke up and now I'm doing what is needed. However, I, I never experienced anything like that with one little, with one uh, exception, again, going back to my first day in Colombia and then the first semester, first two semesters, mm-hmm. I was very quickly labeled as an oppressor because I was a combat soldier in the IDF. So oh. they labeled me, they labeled me as an oppressor, colonizer, but I didn't really pay attention to that. I just moved on. I was focused on graduating and I was yeah. focused on doing what I needed to do. And that was continuing my social work career and doing my very best to serve people in need in this city. This is what I'm doing. But yeah. I, I was, I was asleep and now I'm not. And now many, many of us are not, are not. And that's great. Sure. And uh, fact, yeah. um, there may have been something that you did in the service and the IDF that maybe connected you to what work you're doing today. You know, there's a lot of people yep. that want to sort of um, malign the IDF. But my right. understanding is that you had some kind of service duties in the in the army. Is right. that right? That's true. Yes. So um, when I when I think of why I wanted to become a social worker. I, I know I have, I have an experience. I know ex- the exact moment that made me think, hey, I want to be a social worker. I want to do something like that. I want to do wow. good. Uh, so I was, I was, as I said, I was a combat soldier. And um, we would uh, go into refugee camps and villages and patrol there and do you know the job we needed to do. Some of them were very hostile environments, naturally. Um, so I remember one day while patrolling with my, uh, my team, uh, a group of uh, very young uh, children followed us. And they all looked very, you know, very not dressed properly, slim, dirty. They looked very bad yeah. to me and obviously poor. And um, they were begging for food. Now, I grew up in a middle-class neighborhood in one of the biggest cities in Israel. I never saw extreme poverty. I never saw any of that. Um, So this was the very first time I witnessed firsthand um, this type of extreme poverty. And the next day, I packed in my um, gear, I packed some food. I packed uh, whatever I could find and uh, we went on our way and the kids came again and we stopped and we gave them food and we gave them something to drink and we talked to them a little bit and they they were very happy and thankful and I was very thankful for this opportunity to serve others and this kind of ignited this fire in me and I oh. uh, uh, and this was a, a this was the experience that uh, kind of propelled me into the world of social work. I remember this very vividly. Mm. And um, uh, now that I, I hear all those, uh, again, 
lost young people that talk about the IDF. This thing we did is not special. Yeah. Many soldiers do the same things. Then they used to do it. Today they do it every day. This is what the this is how the IDF operates, and the IDF never targets civilians. Obviously, there are civilian casualties in war. That's terrible. That's awful. Nobody wants that. But nobody targets civilians. We want to minimize civilian casualties, and we want to help the population. We want to make sure they're safe. We're not after civilians. On the other hand, those who celebrate October 7th celebrated genocide, celebrated ethnic cleansing, celebrated murder and rape, because this yeah. is what the terrorists did. We never do that. We never did that. There is loss of life, tremendous loss of life in Gaza, but it's war. And uh, this happens in war. But to take it to the individual, the IDF soldier versus the Hamas terrorist, there's a huge difference we all have to remember. We'll all have to know. And this is firsthand from an IDF soldier, combat soldier that did, did these things. So... Um, I and hope it really some defies of that, you know, yeah. oppressor, oppressed stereotype mm -hmm. that they teach in social work yes. school and in the books and yes. things like that. Yes. Or, uh, flip your diploma, which kind of took off in reaction yes. to. Yes. So um, after my um, experience at Columbia, where uh, the group of pro Hamas uh, people celebrated um the death of my uh people my friends my 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 you know uh my my whole world changed that day um like many others um and i told you that um i thought that everything after witnessing all of that my world went upside down everything was upside down it was just I, I couldn't grasp the idea of what's going what was going on and when i realized my university has abandoned me and is not uh, taking care of, of, of my, not specifically mine, but my people's safety and concerns mm -hmm. and is not taking it seriously and is allowing and enabling this to happen again and again and again on campus, in the school. There's many, many examples of what happened in the school, in the campus. Um, when I saw this type of abandonment and how really um, everything is upside down, um, and it's so simple to understand good versus evil in this, in this, um, Situation. these days, yes, mm -hmm. but they still do not. Um, no. so yeah, I, I decided to leave them and yeah. I decided to publicly announce it with uh, a Facebook, uh, post while I took a picture of myself with my master's degree diploma flipped upside down mm -hmm. um as uh, like a flag when you turn a flag upside down kind yeah of. yeah it's like a form of protest mm -hmm. um, i did not plan it to become a movement and viral on on on, um, on the internet but um some people obviously some people saw it it was shared a lot mm -hmm. of times, thousands of times, and it got attention. I, I went live on Israeli TV a couple of times, you know, it, 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 wow. um, a lot of attention. And some great people um, took the initiative and created this big campaign and mm -hmm. created uh, an outlet for that and are working very hard to promote it. 
And ever since they are working so hard to promote it, we got many, many other alumni from schools across the United States that did the same, that flipped their diploma, took a picture, and put in a powerful statement against the universities who abandoned us as, uh, you know, Israelis, so, Jews, so and not only. anti-Semitism campaign, anti-anti-Semitism. Yes. yes. That's yes. brilliant. So this is, I'll put this the is, link uh, in the show notes later. Yeah. You send it to me. Yeah. That would be great. That would yeah. be great. It is catching attention, but uh, there's many, many more things going on now on the on our side on the Israeli and Jewish side there's uh-huh. a big group of big group of people right now that have been engaged heavily in documenting Jew hatred on campus and they uh-huh. are documenting everything tirelessly uh-huh. day in and day out and it's a large group of people very dedicated to this cause so students and, administrators Yes, and they're gathering a lot of evidence, a lot of uh, evidence of Jew hatred, of anti-Semitism, of mm-hmm. of um, threats, of violence, of uh, chants that promote violence. All of that is heavily documented, and this this could actually um, be, be a big game changer in terms of lawsuits against those institutions that are failing morally. And uh-huh. failing systematically, and uh, you know, with uh, upholding their missions, their real missions, not what yeah. they say. And you know, we all know what happened in um, Harvard and uh, UPenn and MIT with the three shameful um, presidents yeah, and, and how... the testimony. So it's pretty obvious uh, what's going on. And you know, if I would go into if I would go into Colombia and take a group of a hundred people and chant for the destruction of all gay and lesbian people, I guess uh, the treatment would not be the same. I guess uh, if, I would, if I would cover my face, not with a kafia, uh, I would cover my face with a, a white cone with two holes on my eyes and uh, wave a, a Confederate flag and chant something in that, you know, that realm of KKK, I guess... I would not be given the treatment. This is free speech. You can continue. That's fine. So when it comes to Jews, it's different. When it comes to Israel, it's different. So we're not going to let them um, get away with it so easily. And mm-hmm. there's groups of people that are working very hard on, on doing it from different angles, whether it's legal, whether it's um, uh, institutional, whether it's governmental, whether it's um, anything else that can help promote this, because this is upside down. This is wrong. We have to fight it. Yeah, it's amazing how October 7th sort of uh, took the masks off certain groups and people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you what have you yourself been doing since the time that you I I know you're a really busy person, but um, have you been joining in with any of these campaigns or um, so um, fill me in? Yeah, I'm involved with I'm involved with a lot of things. I'm not able to really lead um completely anything like that now because i'm you know i'm i i'm a shelter i'm homeless shelter director i have a lot of responsibility a big family shelter in brooklyn um that's a big job that's a big job um i have a family i have four children um god bless and uh, yeah thank you and um i am as you said i'm very busy but i'm involved i'm doing my best 
doing my best to help anyone in need um, with this. And I've been uh, trying to promote uh, this message anywhere I can. And I, I've, I've taken the time to do that. I'm taking the time right now with love. And um, I will do it again and again and again. I'm not going to stop. We're not going to stop. Um, we're going to fight it until the end because it's very simple. It's very simple. We just need people to uh, um, realize how simple it is to see, uh, to, to uh, tell good from bad. It's so, it's so, it's so simple. And it's amazing yeah, to see how many people simple. just are, are, are just so taken by this fashion, by this uh, trend, by this TikTok trend. Because mm-hmm. if we can really talk directly to them and tell them, hey, young person, you're lost. Yeah. You're brainwashed. Believe everything you hear. Please take the time to 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 get to the facts. Listen. Don't let those puppet masters in in, in other countries and other places with interest um, blind you and make you follow something that you might regret in the future. There's facts, and again, I say that every time I speak about this. I'm not saying Israel is perfect with what Israel is doing. It's not. And Israel has made a lot of mistakes, but bottom line is, we extend our hand for uh, we extend our hands to our neighbors with peace. And uh, you know, historically, this hand, this extended hand, was answered by by a slap, by war. And uh, this is an historical fact. And we want to be in good uh, neighbor. We want to be good neighbors. We want to live together. But it seems like on October seventh, we all got a very big. Um, wake up call and speak for myself mm-hmm. right I, I had I had very different ideas before October 7th October 7th um, made me wake up wow. I understand I understand things different that and, sounds like uh, part two for a second yeah. interview yeah it's it's a different yeah. world now it's really yes. important so mm-hmm. I am going to tell people about flip your diploma and I, as a matter of fact I may flip my own diploma please do that Yes. And please so, tell other people to do that. It's a strong statement. It it helps. Every little gesture helps. And this is an easy thing to do. You just need to take a picture. Yeah. You, don't need, you don't have to show your face. You don't have to tell your name. You just need to join the effort. You need to join uh, the ranks of people that are fighting for what's right and what's good. And I urge everybody to do that and do that today. It's not, not that hard. Yeah. So I want to thank you for coming to our show today. And thank um, you. I hope to speak to you again soon in the near future. And keep up the great work. Thank you, Jessica. You too. Keep up the great yeah. work. That's it for this edition of BIPAC News. Check out JewishTVChannel.com for other news about anti-Semitism, Israel phobia, and education. JewishTVChannel.com. Also check out my book at Roman.com. It's called Social Media Victimization. And it is written about why people victimize one another on social media. For Jewish TV channel, I'm Jessica Imami, your senior Middle East analyst on BIPAC News. And I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.